It's the People Make Things podcast, a behind-the-scenes look at the modern entertainment industry. I'm your host, Christopher Natsume, known on the internet as Nine Squirrels. So last week, I had two things happen in my life that were directly related to Hitler. Now, I know that's a strange way to start a podcast, but hang in there with me because we're going we're gonna to talk about some stuff today. So the, the first thing that happened was I visited a museum in Berlin called the Topography of Terror. And the idea of the museum is it's actually on the grounds of the old SS headquarters. The SS, of course, being the sort of nucleus of the Nazi movement. And while they don't actually have a lot of sort of artifacts or things to look at there, what they do have is they have a very interesting sort of step-by-step historical description of the rise of Hitler to power, the rise of the Nazis to power, what they did when they were in power, and, and how they were removed from power. And I I highly suggest it. It's actually one of the more interesting things I did while I was in Berlin. And, you know, when I was there, actually, uh, I, I have to admit, I didn't take a guided tour, but I noticed when I walked in, there was a group of what looked like British middle, middle school students and they had a guided tour. And I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll hang out with them. So I kind of creeped along behind this, this guided tour that these kids were having to see what the, the, what they had to say. And having somebody go through each one of the exhibits and sort of explain to you in detail what was going on, it was, to be honest, it was, it was a very chilling and very cold. And, and, uh, you don't like to think about that sort of stuff. And I, I, you know, one of the things that I think, you know, when I talked about Berlin having sort of a negative impact on me, it, it's sort of a sad fact that this is something that Berlin is always going to have to live with. It, it's always going to be the place that was ground central for the Nazi movement. It's always going to, it's always going to have this history there. It's always going to have the wall there. It's they're always this isn't going to go away. And you know, to the credit of the German people, they have they've been really good about making sure that they've kept this alive and that they've, they, they're remembering and they're saying this is a thing that happened and we, you know, they don't try to sweep it under the rug. Uh, they, they, they spend a lot of time explaining what happened and, you know, the, the guides that took us through were German and they were very uh, honest and revealing about what happened. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I lived in Germany for two years uh, a long time ago. And when you start talking about Nazis and, and Hitler and that sort of thing in Germany, it's not really a laughing matter there. Uh, you don't you don't get a lot of like, Hitler jokes in Germany because this is something that they live with. Most people there have a a grandfather who had to serve in the army, or maybe a grandfather who was killed by the army, or uh, you know that they, they there's history. There's a lot of history, and it's not 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 pleasant history. And when you're in Berlin on a very cold February day and you're freezing cold, and you're in this building, uh, and the, and the building, the the Topography of Terror M- Museum is actually entirely surrounded by windows. There's no there's no sort of exterior wall on it. And the reason they do that, they said, was because they want you to look outside and they want you to see that all of this stuff that happened, it happened right here. This is where it is. So you can look out the windows and you can see this is this is this is where this happened. This wasn't some other place. This was here. And there's all these pictures there of you know the people who were affected by by the Nazis, the you know, particularly of course the Jewish people and and 
you know, pictures of, of what happened, not not just the, the Holocaust in terms of, you know, so many people were killed, but, you know, what was life like before those people were killed? And you, you see all of these people in the camps and, and they're wearing, you know, short little sleeve shirts and, and, and you know, they have no coats and, and you were just outside. You were just there. You, you were just outside the February in Berlin and you know how cold it is out there. And you were out there in a wool coat and a fleece jacket and a wool hat and some gloves. And you came inside thinking, holy shit, that was cold. And you think, well, that's not, that was, you know, they didn't have any of that. They didn't have any of the things that I had. They were, they were just cold. You know, there was no going inside, you know, and, and that's the least of the things that they suffered. I mean, of, of all the things that the, the people who suffered in the Holocaust suffered, uh, just being cold in winter was probably one of the the least of them and that was pretty bad so you you have to deal with that and when you're in berlin you have to deal with that and and it was it was a fascinating trip and i want to i want to talk a little bit more about it because i i think it was a very important moment for me for for, for just realizing things you know I, i've seen displays and I, I've been to other museums and I don't know how many war movies I've seen. I mean, we all know what Hitler did. We all know what the Nazis were about. We all know the Holocaust happened. I mean, it, at an intellectual level, none of this is news, right? But to walk through and spend some quality time looking at it at a very close down personal level. Um, they, there was a special exhibit. I guess they, they run different special exhibits through. And, the, and they had a particular spe- special exhibit when I was there. And it was about the shootings. And this was uh, fascinating in a, in a terrible, gruesome kind of way. Um, and I, I apologize for, for uh, my bad German and my bad Polish. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how to pronounce these words. But there was a city, Mizkos, I think is how it's pronounced. And I, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it. But this city was one of many cities in, I, I believe, at the time it was Poland, now it's Ukraine. And they went through a very detailed description of what happened in Miskos and, and what, what it was like when, when the Germans came to this, this town. And the man who was giving this, this lecture, he was, a, he was a German gentleman, he was very, obviously very educated, very up to date. I, I don't know what kind of training the people who, who run this, but I would assume he studied this in college or something like that. I mean, he obviously was very well educated in, in, in what he was talking about. And one of the things that, that I found fascinating was he used very clear, very precise language when he spoke. There were very specific words, that, and, and you could tell that he had put time and energy into figuring out exactly which words he was going to use, because for him, this was an important topic. And for all of us, this should be an important topic, obviously, but, but this was his job. This is what he does. Every day, he's going to take people through, and, and you know, this is him every day, right? And you know, I, I get to go through for a couple hours and kind of feel bad for a couple hours. This is what he does every single day. And so he's obviously put a lot of time and energy in making sure that he's speaking about this in a very clear manner. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, he doesn't use the word war crime. He calls it genocide because a war crime would, would indicate that the people that were being killed were in some way combatants and they weren't, they were civilians. Uh, he doesn't call these people war criminals. War criminals would imply that the actions that they were involved in was something to do with war. It wasn't. These were civilians. These people were murderers. And he specifically used the word murderer. And it it was, it was very interesting to watch somebody talk about a high sensitivity topic with very clear, very precise 
language. And you, you hear this a lot. Uh, I have a very good friend, Charles Collins. He's actually a, a reporter for the, the, uh, the Vatican Radio. And he always, when, when I get into comments and, and arguments on Facebook, he always throws out this one comment. He says, words matter. And, and it sounds a little bit throwaway, but, but in this case, words do matter. Because this is, you know, the Holocaust and, and what happened in Germany, this is something that has this huge backlog of history. This is something that has this huge backlog of, of Holocaust deniers and people saying that this thing didn't happen or saying that it's been blown out of proportion or saying that you don't understand and blah, 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 blah. And so in these situations, it's very important to be very accurate and very clear about what you say. Words matter, right? And... They talked about this town of Miskos, and um, and I, I apologize if I get any of these details wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this from memory. I didn't take notes or anything. Um, I actually went back and looked at some of the materials from the museum online to try to make sure I wasn't getting any of this too wrong. But there were about 1,500 people that were killed in this, this uh, small town, and those 1,500 people were all killed by being shot. And I asked because I was very curious how many how many Germans how many Nazis were there how many how many people does it take to kill fifteen hundred people and the answer was very surprising to me the answer was there were about thirty uh, German people there uh, and, and and excuse me let me correct that there were about thirty people there that were involved in the shootings some of them were Ukrainian and some of them were German some of them were sort of local uh, Ukrainians that were involved in this some of them were Germans that had come. And I asked, well, how many people are actually involved in the shooting? How many people actually pulled a trigger? And I, I asked this question personally. And his answer was extremely surprising. And, and the answer was probably two, no more than three. And they know this because they have photo evidence. They have reports from there. Now, I want you to just stop and think for a minute. I, I, want, I want you to think about the scene. I know this isn't a lot of fun. I know my podcasts are usually kind of funny or whatnot. But I, I wanted to get this out there because it's a serious topic. Um so you got two or three people killing 1,500 people with bullets. That's about 450 you know, people, you know, 500 people, something like that, a, a person, right? It could be as much as, you know, if there were only two of them doing the killing, it would be as much as 750 people a person. Um, assuming there were three of them doing the shooting, and assuming that they were using, I don't know what kind of guns they had, but let's assume their gun had 12 bullets in it. That means they had to literally stop and reload their guns, each one of them, 37 times. I just process that in your head. I mean, imagine that. I mean, stop for a minute and think about that, right? Do, do you think those 1,500 people were quiet? Do you think they, they sat quietly waiting to be shot? No, you, you can only imagine the, the horror and the, the, the screams and the crying. and the. You can only imagine what this must have been like. And, and and how long that must have taken. I mean, this is hours that this must have taken of, of just constant mechanical slaughter. And this happened. This really happened. This is not something anyone made up. I'm not, I'm not you know, I'm not exaggerating here. This is, this is real. And, and one of the most fascinating, and I say this in the, in the most sort of terrifying meaning of the word fascinating, one of the most fascinating things about this was um, they were volunteers. You know, I asked about this. I said, where did, where, did these, where did these German guys come from? Where did these shooters come from? Were they forced to do this? Could they get out of it? And, and what was 
absolutely horrifying was that not only were they part of a, a unit that was a volunteer unit, before they came into this city to do this thing, they were asked, um, are you capable of doing this thing? Are you capable of killing these people? If you are not capable of killing these people, you are you are welcome to not do it. We're, we'll move you to another unit. And out of a group of about 500 men who were, were the, the sort of top shooters here, um, only about 12 of them said no. All the rest of them said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, I don't know if they said they were happy, but they said they were willing to do it. That really happened. This is part of our, and this was not in ancient history. This was, this was you know, uh, there's people still alive today who can remember this. This happened. I want to, this, this thing, this thing that happened, it's faded, right? Um, you know, we, we, we say, can we make fun of Nazis? Can we make jokes about the Holocaust? Can we make jokes about Hitler? Blah, blah, blah. Obviously we can, we do, right? Um, you know, for those of you who are of my age, you'll remember the Jerry Seinfeld episode. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld, I should mention, a Jewish comedian who had a, a whole episode, a couple episodes about the soup Nazi. We remember the soup Nazi, the no soup for you, you know, and, 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 and we could use the word Nazi as a joke. We could say, you know, the soup Nazi, then it was funny. I don't remember anyone ever saying, well, that was, that was, uh, that was crass humor, or we shouldn't use the word Nazis, we shouldn't make fun of Nazis. It was funny. It was a funny episode. Um, you know, some of you remember, if, if you're a little older, you remember there was the Faulty Towers episode with uh, with John Cleese and the whole, you know, the Germans come and don't mention the war, you know, and uh, you started it. Oh, you invaded Poland. You know, there was that, that was a funny, it was a funny episode, right? Um, you know, even today, you hear people say, oh, you're just a big grammar Nazi. You know, we, 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 that's a joke. It's funny. We've gotten to the point now where we kind of softened on the, the whole Nazi thing a little bit, and we can talk about it. If you go further back in time, this is normal. Time and distance make horror fade. I mean, you can make all the Viking jokes you want right now. I mean, you, people in the ridiculous horned helmets and whatnot. But you know what? In the ninth century, that shit wasn't funny, right? But but now, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years later, yeah, we can make you know, I mean, Genghis Khan, right? I mean, the, the Genghis Khan killed way more people than, than the Nazis ever did, right? Genghis Khan destroyed entire nations, walked into whole cities and had people crucified. The, the horrors that were committed by Genghis Khan are, 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 we don't even know how horrible it was. There's so much of it. Um, but, uh, you know, right now there's a, if you, if you travel to Mongolia, they named their airport after the dude. You can fly into Genghis Khan airport. Uh, they have a vodka named after him. You know, you can go drink. You could, you could sit in the Genghis Khan airport drinking yourself some Genghis Khan vodka. And I mean, how many Genghis Khan jokes and all that? I mean, this was a horrible person. This was a, a terrible, terrible individual. I mean, imagine for a moment now if you would fly into the Berlin airport and they had renamed it Hitler International and you could sit at Hitler International Airport drinking some Hitler schnapps. Um, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable right now. But who knows, maybe in a few hundred years, that's, uh, I don't know, maybe that's where we get to with this. So, so yeah, time changes things and whatnot. Now, I want to I shift gears entirely now to my second thing about Hitler. And, and I know this is going to seem really trite, but hang in there with me because I'm going to get there, right? Um, for those of you who are involved in the internet and you're involved in streaming and you're involved in YouTube and you're involved in sort of the modern online community, you know that last week was the week in which 
PewDiePie got called a anti-Semitic, anti-Semitic uh, uh, alt-right, what, whatever. He is, he's been accused of being racist and making anti-Jewish jokes and that sort of thing. Now, before I get into that, I know a lot of you are like, uh, what, the, what, the, what the fuck is a PewDiePie and why do I care? All right, so hang in there because uh, it's, this matters, right? PewDiePie is probably the most influential person on sort of the internet of influencers, if you're talking about people that do live streams, people that do YouTube shows, and I know a bunch of you are like, yeah, who gives a shit? Well, actually, uh, PewDiePie's got about 53 million followers. Uh, to, to put that in perspective, that's three more people than the entire population of South Korea uh, that that are following him. That We're talking about a number of, that's more than most European nations, right? Uh, and you say, oh, yeah, this is followers. People follow him. They don't actually watch that. Well, actually... Most of his videos within a couple of days will get somewhere between uh, 8 and 10 million views. Well, what, what is 8 or 10 million views? Well, to put that in perspective, uh, the, the, the highest rated late night talk show host, Jimmy Fallon, he gets about 3 million views. So you're talking about somebody that when he puts out a bullshit little 10 minute video, that's going to get three times more views than Jimmy Fallon. So this is a, this is an influential person, and and particularly this is an influential person amongst young people. Most of PewDiePie's viewers, as with most uh, live streamers or or Twitch, you know, personalities or or YouTubers, um, as with most of these people, most of their audience is probably under the age of twenty. So you're talking about the people that your children are spending a lot of time with, or if you're younger, I guess you're spending a lot of time with, depending on where you come from. This, this is where the kids uh, are putting their, their, their attention. And they've done studies to find out, you know, who knows who. And PewDiePie is vastly more recognizable for most people under the age of, of, of 18 than most of the movie stars that you can think of. So these people matter. Right. This is this is an influential person and a, and a particularly influential person in my world, the world of video games and online whatnot. Right. So what actually happened? What what you know, let me let's let, let's actually talk about what happened. Well, um, this guy makes YouTube videos. He makes 10 minute long little goofy videos of goofy stuff. And like a lot of people of this sort of world. He, he makes a living kind of pushing the edge, you know, what can I get away with? It's very juvenile sort of potty room humor. It's always been that. It's nothing new. And, you know, it, it, I guess as you do this, there's always that problem of, well, if I've been pushing the edge for this long, what do I have to do to push the edge now? And I, I guess there's a website out there called Fiverr. And the, the idea of the website Fiverr is that you can pay people five bucks to do stuff, you know, make make you a logo or uh, read your essay and give you feedback or whatever. They'll do some crap for five bucks, right? And he was joking around trying to figure out what kind of crap could I get someone to do for five bucks? And one of the things that he decided to ask somebody to do is he got a couple what looked like Indian gentlemen. I, I don't actually know where they are, but they, they certainly uh, looked like they're from India. And uh, he got them to dance around and hold up a sign that said, Death to the Jews. Um, yeah, that's in pretty terrible taste, right? Um, he also uh, got a, a a guy who I guess his, his gig on the internet is to dress up as Jesus and pretend to be Jesus. And he got a phony $5 Jesus to stand in front of a camera and say, Hitler did nothing wrong, right? 
okay, again, in pretty terrible taste. Um, now, now the context, and, and in PewDiePie's defense, for what that's worth, um, he was trying to show how absurd the world is and, and how absurd this website is and how absurd it is that you can get people to do uh, ridiculous stuff for five bucks. Now, I... I would uh, I would argue uh, anyone who has any real knowledge of the developing world can tell you, yeah, you can get people to do a lot worse shit than that for five bucks if that was your intention. And in fact, there are people that are that are doing terrible shit right now for five bucks uh, that you probably don't want to think about. Uh, really, really terrible, awful shit. And I'll actually talk about some of that in my my other podcasts. I have a whole thing about that, but I don't want to get into it right now. But but I guess my point is, you know, is this offensive? Well, yeah, yeah, of course it's fucking offensive. I mean, holding up a sign that says death to the Jews is a fucking, it's in bad taste. It's a bad joke. Um, is it funny? I don't know, and it's not really my job to say. I mean, if somebody finds it funny, if somebody doesn't find it funny, that's not that's not my business. Um, I guess if you're from a context where it's not hateful, I guess maybe it's funny. I, I don't know. It's not really, I, I, I'm very uncomfortable defining what is or isn't funny and telling somebody, you know, that's not funny. Uh, if somebody laughed, then I guess to that person, it's funny. Maybe that guy's a dick. I don't know. Um, is PewDiePie racist? I don't know. By the classical definition of racist, not really. I, I don't think this guy's a real live anti-Semite. I don't think he's going to the, you know, the white power rallies or any of that kind of, yeah, that's, that's not it. I guess a different, more important question is, is the guy a dick? Well, yeah, yeah, obviously he's a dick. I don't, and he didn't even have to have a sign say, you know, death to the Jews to know he was a dick. The fact that he's got so much sort of, I mean, we're talking about a guy that makes a lot of money. PewDiePie made like $14 million last year. This is a rich dude. And and for a, a rich, grown adult from a, a happy, wealthy country, I believe he's from somewhere in Scandinavia, um, for, for this guy to make his money, you know, proving that poor people who do weird shit for five bucks... Well, yeah, that's that's kind of douchey, right? I mean, we we kind of know that guy's a dick, right? I mean, we I don't need it to be anti-Semitic to know he's a dick. The guy's a dick, right? Um, but apparently, he's okay with that. Apparently, at some point in his life, he said, "You know what? Being this variety of dick earns me fifteen million dollars or fourteen million dollars a year." And you know what? If for fourteen million dollars a year, maybe I'd be a dick too. You know, I mean, I I it's hard for me to judge the dude. I mean, if it works and he's making money at it, I guess you know whatever. So I get to the important question, which is, should this have generated a bunch of media outrage? And and that's where I begin to have problems with it. And that's where I say, no, uh, we've had this. You know, and, and, and I I told that big story about going to the topography of terror and about the Nazis and about the town of Miskos because this was the context that I saw this in. And I thought to myself, to somebody who had actually you know, put some thought about Hitler and put some thought about Nazis and put some thought about Jews and put some thought about the Holocaust. The the shit he's talking about is pretty horrific shit. And he's dealing with it in a rather cavalier offhand manner that is obviously insulting and, and obviously some people are going to get upset about it. But the the thing is, I guess, who am I to say, right? It, most of the people who are getting outraged about this, this is the first time they've ever heard of PewDiePie. This is probably the first time they've really thought about the Holocaust or thought about Nazis or thought about the Jews in a while. This isn't something that was probably in their immediate consciousness. Uh, 
Um, I think we're missing a bigger point. And the bigger point is, wow, is this really the entertainment we're watching now? Is this is this really it? Is this really is this really where our world goes to 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 see stuff? Is this really what we want? You know, I mean, sure, it's offensive. Sure, it's. I mean, I guess maybe it's anti-Semitic. We can have all those debates, um, but to get outraged about this gives it some sort of credibility as being important. And 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 it is important at some level. Like I say, there you know, millions and millions of people are watching this crap. And and I would argue that there's a bigger problem, which is we've got millions and millions of people that are watching a show where we think it's funny to get poor people to do shit for five bucks. Like that kind of humor is entertaining to us now. Like is this really what entertainment has devolved to? Is this really what we're I I actually sat down today because I I wanted to get more context and I, you know I'm I'm not a PewDiePie viewer I'm not I'm not you know I don't really know this guy very well and I I actually work in a world where he is important I thought you know what I should I should sit down and I should I should fucking figure out what this is all about I should figure out why I care about this guy and I watched about five or six of his videos that's about all I could stomach and you know I don't mean that in like a you know, I was so offended, you know, I need to call my congressman. No, I just was like, God, is this really, really, this is what we're watching now? I was just like, this is banal and fucking irritating. And, and I would argue that pretty much most of the people who are listening to this podcast, if you were to go to just, and, and I'm not talking particularly the Nazi ones, I'm talking just go watch any random PewDiePie video and sit through 10 minutes of it. And ask yourself, is this really what we call entertainment now? Is this really where our culture is gone with all the tools that we have, all the information that we have, all the technology that we have, the the the, the thousands of years of human evolution and culture that that the, the, the historical entertainment culture that we've we've produced? This is what we make now. I I don't know. Um, but we got outraged, and we, we lost our shit, and oh my god, and, and so what ended up happening, I, I, I haven't told the rest of the story, so after the the universe blew up and decided that uh, PewDiePie could no longer be allowed to do his thing, um, it's important to understand that PewDiePie actually uh, belongs to a group of influencers called the Maker Network. It's something that he and another number of other influencers created, and the Maker Network is the largest, most influential group of these sort of YouTubers, uh, live streamers in existence. And a few years ago, it got sold to Disney for, and I, I forget the numbers, but it was many, many millions of dollars, uh, tens of millions of dollars, some stupid amount of money. Um, I, I could look it up, but I it, just just know that it was it was more money than anyone listening to this podcast will ever make. And there's some people in this podcast that make a lot of money. So um, obviously, Disney being Disney can't be associated with somebody that the you know CNN is called an anti-Semite and whatnot. So he gets you know the Maker Network drops him from the lineup, and he's got some sort of YouTube special, and his YouTube special gets canceled, and he's no longer a blah 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 whatever. So Disney came down on him like a load of bricks, and this is where I really get pissed off, right? This isn't some sort of outsider that was that was crushed by the system. 
this guy was represented by Disney, literally the largest, most wealthy entertainment company in the world, right? And when Disney bought the Maker Network, the Maker Network was largely PewDiePie and friends, right? Everyone, anyone who was involved in buying the Maker Network had to know who PewDiePie was. It's impossible for them not to have known what this guy was about. And anyone who sits down and watches 15 videos of PewDiePie's, and there's certainly no shortage of his videos, you, this, nothing he was doing here was new, right? And, and, and nothing he was doing was new to begin with. I mean, shock entertainment, this kind of bullshit stock entertainment is nothing new. The Jerky Boys existed when I was fucking 15 years old. Howard Stern has been doing this same bullshit stick for how long? God, have you ever listened to one of those banal piece of shit shows? This, none of this is new, right? Disney knew exactly what PewDiePie was when they bought him. They knew exactly what Maker Networks was when they bought it. They knew exactly what they were getting. There was no mystery to this. And suddenly, I mean, oh, let's go grab our pearls and, oh, what? Oh, my God, he's done something anti-Semitic. This guy's been doing, you know, it just happens that some, the outrage machine just finally caught up with him, right? And and if it hadn't have been this, it would have been, I could find five other videos of PewDiePie's that's also got some outrageous, terrible shit in it. If it's not Hitler, then it's, you know, I mean, I watched one video, the whole thing was him talking about the size of women's asses and saying really ridiculous shit about that. Did we not get upset about that? You know, everyone knew who this guy was. We, But the, but the, the, what, there's this thing that happens on the internet where, I don't know, the, the planets align and Venus and Jupiter meet and, and when that happens, suddenly this thing that, that you know, that is just like a hundred other things or a thousand other things that have happened sets somebody off and the outrage machine goes and now we've all got to pretend to care. And I, I use that word very particular. We all pretend to care. We didn't care about PewDiePie last week or the week before. We didn't care about... Uh, any of a thousand other things, but this is the thing, whether it's, it's this or the, the goddamn lion that got shot or the, the, the woman who made the age joke over Africa or whatever. There's, there's always something that the, the internet outrage machine decides this week, this one's going to go viral. And I, I don't know how the math works. I don't know how they figure that out, but suddenly Disney's got to play along and I don't know this 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 mock rage that we get into this this oh I I'm so I'm so hurt now even though I knew all this was going on for a long time and I it, it's just and I I come back to this German gentleman that was giving us the lecture at the topography of terror and the clarity with which he spoke and the, the the precision of his words and how he obviously knew precisely what he was talking about, how he was obviously well-researched, how he did not, he was very careful not to say anything that, that could have been untrue. If I asked a question and he didn't know the answer to it, he would answer, I don't have an answer for you for that because I'm not sure. We don't have that information. There were other people that asked questions where he said, I would love to give you that answer, but we don't have factual data on that, so we can only imagine. This is how the world should work. This is how we should deal with topics. The Holocaust was real shit. Nazis really exist. 
today, right now. There, there's, there's, there's racist shit happening out there right now. There's real stuff that we should be getting outraged about. I'm not going to talk about what's happening in America right now. I'm not going to talk about politics right now because I promised myself I wouldn't in this podcast today. But there is so much going on right now that we really, really ought to be outraged about. But what has happened is we have we have cheapened outrage. And the kids smell it. Millennials smell it. They get it. They know when they're being had. This mock rage, it's, it's just the grumbling of old men. It's people telling them what to think. And they're fucking sick of it. The hypocrisy of it is so blatant and so ridiculous that at some point we just stop caring. And one of the saddest things that I see happening in political discourse now is people just tuning out and saying, I don't want to talk about politics and I don't. And if ever there was a time in America that we really ought to be talking about politics, we're in it right now. If ever there was a time in the world that we should be talking about politics, we should be talking about it right now with the shit that's going on. But we have, but we're busy nailing PewDiePie to a wall because he wore a Hitler hat and did some stupid, shitty jokes. And I don't know. Um, and 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 at the end of this podcast, and I swear, I, I swear, I'll do funnier monologues later. And I'm sorry there wasn't a lot of humor in today's monologue, but I had to get all this off my chest. I had to just talk about this. Um, in in this world where we where we make no distinction with our outrage, where we speak with such lack of clarity and lack of precision, where we are so accepting of hypocrisy. Isn't it odd to have a podcast? Isn't it uncomfortable to have a podcast where I'm going to talk very seriously at the very beginning about a bunch of real issues and a real town that was actually destroyed by real human beings that really killed 1,500 people in cold blood, mechanically, one by one, with bullets? That's a thing that happened, and we had that same conversation in the same podcast with talking about a kid who made a joke on a YouTube channel. And people will say, well, Chris, you're really cheapening this this topography of terror. You're cheapening your experience in Berlin by talking about this ridiculous uh, YouTube celebrity, to which I would say, yeah, exactly, precisely. That's the point. So that's what I have to say about that. And I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but that's where it is. That's the show for today. I've got some more interviews coming up. I've got more monologues coming up. I hope you're enjoying them. If you are, obviously, uh, you know what to do. Go give us a like over on the apples and and the whatever. Go let people know in your Facebooks and your Twitters and your whatnot. Let people know that you're into this and share it around if you're into it. Uh, If you're not into it... um, I guess don't listen to it anymore. But if you'd like to, you know, make some suggestions, we've got a Discord. You can come check out the Nine Squirrels Discord. That's always in the info box. So come, let me know how you feel about all this, and uh, we'll see you on the next show.